Hello and welcome to the Hoosie Podcast with me, Phil. And me, Paul. And on this week's show, we're going to return once again to our Series 1 retrospective and uh, starring Chris Reckleson in The Aliens of London. Hmm. This, 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 I'm, I hope this is going to be an interesting one because it's, um, it's sort of divided fandom, this one, didn't it? So, yes. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes with us. Um, so, and also, um, we've got the news current, also got an interview um, with uh, Hayden Gribble from the Diddly Dumb podcast, who's um, going to be talking about a book he's got coming out next week. So, that's to come later. But first, the news. Now, the news that broke today, because uh, we've, we've been away for a, um, a couple of weeks, and uh, but the news that broke today is that Sharda. The sort of previously thought long lost Tom Baker story, which has been done in various forms over the years. We've we've had an unofficial animation from um, Ian Levine. We've had the the DVD stroke um, VHS release with linking stuff with Tom Baker. I haven't looked at the news. He must be overjoyed at this news, mustn't he? He must be. He must be. Um, <laughs> as he is with everything. And uh, of course, we had the Paul McGann Lala Ward version for Big Finish. As well, yes. but um, but Sharda is getting the animated treatment um, for a, a new DVD release, which is going to be linking the existing footage. Um, yeah, not, yeah. Not, not surprising that they'd want to do that. No, what was a surprise was that they released the DVD a while ago of the basically of the VHS. Because they must yeah. have always had this in their mind that they'd like to do this. Well, eventually. I, I think so. I think they were testing the water. I think with that Power of the Daleks, yeah, um, DVD stroke Blu-ray that came out, and I think if that was a success, and it was, uh, I think this this was it, it was. I think they were hoping it was going to pave the way to do you know, give some lost stories some animated treatment, and yeah, I suppose you know. People are sort of saying, "Well, why, why Sharda? You know, we, we've got missing Hartnell and Troughton stories that we need to have first. But end of the day, this is probably the most complete thing they've got. Um, you know, I, and, and and I think I, and they've and they've got back the original voice actors to do it as well. So I, was say, I would know. say that's the more, more pressing yes. part of this. Yeah, is if you're going to animate, say, the Myth Makers or something like that, and yeah. you've got the the soundtrack exists of that. Yeah. So you've just got to animate what's already been recorded voice-wise. Mm. This, you've got a ticking clock, to put it bluntly, Yes. on who's still alive to be able to voice Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, um, it's gonna, so, it's, yeah. I must admit, it's going to seem a bit, a bit weird, though, because obviously... Um, you know, you've, you've got the existing footage, which was filmed in 1979. Yeah. Um, you know, Tom Baker in his sort of in his 40s. Then you've got Tom Baker in his 80s, and his voice does sound very, very different. I'm just going to wonder if it's going to be a little bit jarring. I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm very much looking forward to watching it. Um, I'm just going to wonder if the because everyone, you know, voices, you know, you, they drop a lot of few octaves as you as you get older. Um, whether that's going to Sort of be as I said, be a bit jarring or not. I mean, that, that's always slight. That's always going to be the worry. But I don't know. I think there's 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 going to be enough goodwill for this to. Oh God, yeah, yeah. So I I, I, I suspect you're, you it it won't be. You'll enjoy it 
I'm sure what it's. Oh what yeah, it for, is. what it is. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll be doing the same certainly. Um, now this is going to be released as a digital download on Friday the 24th of November, and it's going to be available on DVD and Blu-ray on Monday the 4th of December. And it's available yeah. to pre-order as a steelbook, DVD, and Blu-ray um, at the moment. So um, get your all, get your orders in. Now um, there's actually actually going to be a special showing of this at the BFI on the 2nd of December um, as well. And I think tickets yeah. will go on sale for BFI members on Tuesday the 7th of November, and for the public on Tuesday the 14th of November. <clears throat> I was going to say is well, good luck with that because um, I imagine that's going to be a sellout. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was hoping you was going to say tickets will go on sale on <laughs> on the sixteenth of November, <laughs> <laughs> just in case people only get their information from us. Oh God, yeah, um, possibly, yeah, um, yeah. It's yeah. Well, we've read this before because when we were members of the we we were we were previous members of the BFI just for the Doctor yes. anniversary year, weren't we? And yeah. even as a as a being a member, um, it was extremely difficult to get tickets for these events. Um, yeah, and I would imagine this would be the same. Cause you don't know who's going to be there. No, you know. So you, you I, I doubt if you'd get Tom Baker there, but you never know, do you? No, you never know. So we might the get Lana Ward. Who knows? She turns up. For one thing. One thing. I've, I was looking at this and thinking because they can't. They've done some, rescanned some of it into HD, but the studio stuff, video material, is still SD, so they can't yeah. do that. So does that make it worth buying the Blu-ray <laughs> ahead of the DVD? Well, the animation and the film footage look nice. Yeah. Um, for, from the DVD version that I've already got, I cannot remember how much of it was studio-bound, to be honest. I've only watched it the once. To be, I, I always felt... You know, it, it sort of held up their shoulder a little bit. You know, as um, it's like the Holy Grail, and uh, yeah, I'm, I don't know if I'm not that big a fan of the story. Maybe I don't need to see it in, in its entirety, really, to sort of for, for it to, to, for it to give it any justice. Oh, I, think, I quite liked know. it as a story. I quite liked it as a story because I quite like the obviously the big finish Paul McGann version as well. Mm. Which honest, I must though. admit, I, have, I haven't actually listened to. To be honest, mm. um, as you know, I think. Um, Listeners of this show will, will, will remember um, that I am not Douglas Adams' biggest fan, so I, I, I want to sort of steer clear of his scripts. If I'm perfectly honest, well, that's that's you then. <laughs> that is me. That is definitely me. Yes, I'm sorry. I I, I don't get Douglas Adams. I, I'm I've <laughs> I've now my colours to the mask. There, there you go. I do not get Douglas Adams, but um, there you go. There you go. But anyway, I shall bite everybody else and watch it. So, okay. Now, um, lastly in the news, unfortunately, some sad news that the um, another actor to play the Doctor, Trevor Martin, who played the Doctor um, on stage in the Seven Keys to Doomsday, uh, and also had a, played a, a Time Lord in the War Games as well, which you've recently reviewed the, the Target yes. novelisation for, uh, sadly died at the age of 87. Um, yeah, it's... it's um, Apparently, he did do a version of this for Big Finish as well, didn't he? The Seven Keys to Doomsday. Yeah. Which I, I, I must sort of dig out. There's too much Big Finish stuff for me to, to dig out and listen to. That's that's the there's such a back catalogue to, to delve into. Um, but yeah, um, eighty seven. Again, it's it's a it's a, 
a grand old age anyway. It's a grand old yeah. age. But um, but again, he sort of things he sort of appeared in again from our, I suppose you say our, our childhood sort of like you know, Zed Carl's Armchair Thriller, Jack and Ori, as was did Inspector Moore's Coronation Street, and and of course the Bill. Uh, surprised not to see him there in Crown Court. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so I thought everybody I thought it was like a, a rite of passage. You had to do Crown Court at some oh, point as an actor, but um, yeah. So there we go. I didn't realize it only ran for four weeks. Um, Seven Keys to Doomsday. I thought it went on for longer than that. Yeah, obviously, just a bit too young to be able to go to the theatre to watch that. Yeah, I was then. Was it nineteen seventy four? Yeah, mm. it's uh, what I didn't realize though. It was actually meant to be like a a different fourth Doctor. Because apparently right. that came out at the time um, when Tom Baker made his debut on, on television. So yeah. You had t- so technically, you had two fourth doctors. I suppose like we were like in, um, I suppose in our day it would have been um, Chris Reckleston and um, what's his name, Richard E. Grant as the ninth doctor. <laughs> You'd forgotten the iconic Richard E. Grant. <laughs> I forgot. Does that does that actually precede his name, the iconic, the iconic. Richard E. Grant? <laughs> We can all do that, Paul. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, the iconic Paul. <laughs> See how easy it is. See, yeah. there you go. There. So anyway, yeah, sad, um, sad news. But to say, eighty-seven um, is a is a is a grand old age to get to. So um, raise my glass to you, sir. Anyway, um, that's it for the news. Um, there's not again. There's not a lot of um, actually. There's one other thing I didn't send the news link. Did you read in the Daily Mirror? This week, oh, about yeah, what's going to happen? Big um, exclusive, that sounds, like, <laughs> that sounds like every time someone else takes over a showrunner. Yeah, I mean, shock horror is going to be, um, you know, new TARDIS interior, a new TARDIS um, box as well, and a new yeah. sonic screwdriver. Wow, you know, breaking news! Good God! Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, that, that did, you know, and it said like, you know, oh, there's going to be, you know, exclusive news about you. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, yeah, so, and, and yeah, bloody hell, what an absolute waste of print. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. Now I thought that was it was worth mentioning just just to say, um, well, we we, we thumb our noses at it basically. Is what that's what we're yes. uh, that's what we're doing there. To be honest with you, yeah, what that peculiar, very peculiar. Anyway, so that really is it for the news. So, um, but coming up next, we have an interview with uh, Hayden Gribble. So, we'll just wrap this up first. So, uh, that was the news. Okay, everybody. So um, before we begin our review, as I said, we've got an interview account uh, now with um, a previous guest of the show, Hayden Gribble, um, to talk about his new Doctor Who book, which is uh, coming out next week. So um, here you go. Here's Hayden. And my guest right now is a returning guest of the show and, or should I say, a friend of the podcast. It's Hayden Gribble. How the devil are you, Hayden? I'm not too bad, Phil. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. I'm very well indeed. Now, we're not here to talk about the Diddly Dum podcast, are we? No, no, no. But thank you for having me on. No, that's good, <laughs> that's good. Something else. <laughs> no, because we are here to talk about a book you've got coming out. Yes, yes. yes. So this. 
So this is called Child Out of Time, uh, growing up with Doctor Who in the wilderness years. Okay, now, sounds interesting. Now, what sort of led you up to writing this book then? Well, funnily enough, it was actually diddly dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Was a bit of an influence on it because... I'd recently moved out um, for the very first, this was back in 2014, I'd recently moved out of the family home. Um, I was sort of going it alone for the very first time in my life. Um, And I remember sort of feeling quite sort of nostalgic around that time. Um, Obviously for everything I was sort of leaving behind and everything that was in front of me. Um, And I remember listening to an episode of Diddly Dumb, which was called The Six Stages of Fandom, I think it was called. Mm -hmm. Um, This was, this was long before I. I uh, this was long. This was long before Doc invited me on. So, um, uh, and I was I was listening to it, and they were talking through, you know, how obviously when you watch Doctor Who when you're little, and then it has an influence on you as you grow up, and then you may sort of fall out of love with it during your teen years, and then come back to it as an adult, and it doesn't really sort of leave you after that. Mm. And I sort of thought to myself, well, actually, yeah, I, I can really relate to that. And I remember going for a really long walk around um, a park in Cambridge. And I just started having this idea in my head of thinking, well, I don't think anyone's ever really written about um, being a Doctor Who fan, sort of, sort of growing up with Doctor Who in their life. I know, obviously, you know, Neil Perriman's written, a, you know, the brilliant The Wife in Space. And, you know, you've got some other uh, books out there which are really good personal accounts yeah. um, on being a Doctor Who fan. Um, but I wanted to do something different. And then I thought, well, actually, I was born in June 1989. Now, that summer... As we will all know, listeners, <laughs> um, was the was that that was the last sort of production block of the classic series. That's right. So the same summer that I came into existence, Doctor Who sort of fell out of existence on TV. <laughs> um, so there's a there was a bit of sort of an, an end and a beginning to quote a, a well used Target chapter uh, line there, but um, and I I I, I just it, it was just just literally the idea was just there fully formed pretty yeah. much. And I, and I ran, I ran back to the, my digs, uh, picked up a notepad and pen and I'd walked around the park sort of jotting out how I was going to do this. What kind of things was I going, was I going to be including, um, you know, how honest was I going to be in this story? You know, I'd, I'd be as honest as, as you can as to how you felt about things around the time and how you feel about them now looking back and um, yeah and then within about a week or two I'd started writing it How easy did it come to you once you actually sort of got stuck into it? You say you had, you had the, the idea sort of formed on us immediately uh, was it an easy process to write? Fairly easy yes um, I'd written a book before called The Man in the Corner which was a sort of Amazon exclusive uh, crime thriller yeah and I sort of wrote that ad hoc I was doing a script writing course at the time and I was also working part-time at a hospital um so I was just really writing uh, really it was it was short stories all interlinking into one narrative yeah and in the end I thought well okay took about four or five months to write um on my days off and evenings and what have you and whenever match the day was just really boring and uh <laughs> I then ended up sort of correlating them all together and putting them in this book mm. and I knew that with child out of time I wanted to approach things differently I thought well I really do need to list down everything I can remember of being a Doctor Who fan and then break them obviously in, in, down into chapters um, um, there is actually there, there is another important element of 
the book, which I actually failed to mention when it came to its conception there, and that was I the very first uh, article that I wrote for Celestial Toy Room, which is the Doctor Who Appreciation Society's fanzine, of course, yeah. um, was uh, called Child Out of Time. Oh, okay. And it, and it was a bit of a shorthanded version of this book, or very shorthanded, it was about 500 words. But it, 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 it was sort of, so the germ of the idea was there going back to 2010, mm. um, which was a long time. But then it was only when I, you know, sort of, I, when I'd listened to that Diddly Dumb episode, and it, like I said, it arrived fully formed. So it made everything a lot easier to sort of, collect all these memories in my head and then lay it down on paper and it was literally it's, it's just handwritten notes just saying well chapter one this is what I want to include here um, and there were some elements of it that I thought well certain elements of my story sort of lend themselves quite well to sort of miniature cliffhangers okay yeah, yeah. so I mean so, so you're not entirely certain where things are going to go next um, so that's all sort of there were very nice points where I could say, right, well, that's the end of that chapter. Now let's start the next one. Um, but yeah, so it, it, it was very, you know, it, it was it was quite easy, really. <laughs> Did you have to sort of rely on sort of uh, sometimes on family members to uh, sort of help jog your memory on certain things? Obviously, um, as you said, you were born in 1989, and that was mm-hmm. like you know when Doctor Who was cancelled that year. That was the you know the the beginning of the of the, of the fallow years or the wilderness years, as, as, you, as you call them in your book. Um, you know, did did it all come easy to, or did you need some sort of some help on sort of remembering things and putting things into some sort of order? It actually came quite easily because I've I've got a really good long term memory. My short term memory is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not talk about that. But no, my long term memory is pretty good. I mean, my my earliest memory is of watching tv and it was um guns and roses playing at freddie mercury's tribute concert i seem to remember okay yeah so i've got i've got very vivid memories of that so everything sort of throughout my childhood i've just really stored up um there were little details and that i had to ask my mum and my dad about um but they were very minor um but a lot of a lot of the content was very uh, you know, very vivid in in my mind. It's because it's it, it's always stayed there. I mean, it, it, it's uh, that's just how big I suppose Doctor Who's been in my life is that I've I've always retained these memories. Um, but apart from the odd little detail of was that a Sunday that we went there, Mum? That kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The rest of it was actually <laughs> rather easy. I suppose now it's it's easier now because you've got all the you know the the, the DVDs and and so much literature written about Doctor to to, to help you for research purposes if need mm. be. Um, do you think you would have? Or did you did you have to fall back on any of that, or or um, or do you feel if it wasn't there, it would have been a hindrance to you? You know, if if you did have to use it. Not necessarily. I I, I returned to the Television Companion. Yeah, which was the David J. Howe and Mark Stammers and Stephen James Walker book from the late nineties, because that was essentially my Bible, my sort of Doctor Who Bible. Yeah, that was where I got all all of the statistics and you know all all the lists, and I memorised you know the production codes, and I memorised <laughs> you know oh I know that the Time Monster um, was followed by the Three Doctors, and the Three Doctors was broadcast at the end of nineteen seventy two, and that was almost a full year before the 10th anniversary, you know, and all, all this kind of stuff. I was very sort of obsessed at that age. Um, yeah. So flicking through the pages again um, really did help to 
jog my memory. And also something else that's helped as well is I've kept most of the notes that I made as a kid. So I've, I've always oh, wow. written. So a, a lot of the lists and, and a lot of the things that I, I used to do, oh, this sounds so, this is so sad, but I used to do, <laughs> I used to write sort of an, a list of my favorite things. So if I say, oh, favorite Favourite Doctor Who story, I'd write something like, I don't know, The Green Death, let's say, which it, yeah. it, it was for a, for a period. Um, you know, favourite song, um, I don't know, Staying Out for the Summer by Dodgy or something like yeah. that. <laughs> very random. It's, but, so I've got all, all that to fall back on, and it, and it jogs the memory very well. Um, I mean, DVDs weren't around when no, I was exactly, a kid. No, exactly. So... And I don't really have any of the videos left either, so I didn't really have them to hand. Um, but they're always nice to look out on the shelf. <laughs> oh yes, they are. <laughs> well, while you were sort of sort of dragging sort of dragging all the memories of of you know um, of, of those times, did it sort of drag up any any anything else sort of like TV wise that you were sort of obsessed with at the time? Because obviously that there is more to life than Doctor Who, obviously. So. Um, was there anything else you thought? Oh, that gives me another idea for a, for a book. Well, I beg to differ there, Phil. But there we are. <laughs> <laughs> no, of, of course. Well, actually, no. Doctor Who wasn't my first obsession. Um, Captain Scarlet was my first obsession. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and actually, well, it, it, I, even though I, I was really, I was mad on Thunderbirds. So was I. Um, Still am. Brought Still it. Was. Yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but Captain Scarlet really that 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 really grabbed me um, off. Yeah. Um, so I found myself sort of watching old episodes of that, you know, when I was <laughs> when I was writing this sometimes because it, it was just nice to it's nice to return to childhood. Really, it's it's a completely different time. You know, it's and even though I'm only twenty eight, it's a long time ago now. Uh, yeah. And, you know, yeah. Last century. <laughs> well, exactly. You put it like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, I think that's the. I mean, that's one of the things you, you sort of mentioned, Captain Scarlet. I mean, I think for me also. I mean, anything Jerry Anderson um, mm. was a, a, as as big a part of my childhood as as much as Doctor Who was. Um, to, to be perfectly honest, and I'm sort of glad there's a because we just had International Thunderbirds Day as as just uh, okay. recently yes. been and gone. Um so I'm glad it's sort of it's come back into the the public consciousness again. Um but do do you think sort of you know would you like to write something about Jerry Anderson? Um or do you think you know that sort of cuz we've had the Jerry Anderson fallow years as well, haven't we? Mm. Do you think do you think that would be ripe for for you know for a a similar sort of treatment? Oh well, I don't, I, I don't know really to be honest. I mean, at, at the moment, I'm sort of concentrating on another. I, I, I want to start my own range of books, essentially, um, okay. with my own character. Yeah. Um, which I think is probably going to take up quite a bit of my spare time over the next year or so. <laughs> um, so maybe not right now. But then, hey, if Jamie Anderson, if you're listening. <laughs> I can, <laughs> I've I got a portfolio. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's very exciting to see, like like you said, these these sort of you know these bastions of our childhoods, and not not you know this isn't just for one generation as well. This for this is for all generations. When we when we talk about the Super Mario Nation series and also Doctor Who, and that was that was part of the magic that I felt when I got into Who for the first time. Because I mean I, I can picture it so 
vividly, but I, I remember being in my great nan's room uh, in this old sort of nursing home in the Midlands. Yeah. And it was the weekend of the of the TV movie. Um, okay, yeah. And I can remember seeing the table, and I can remember seeing a sort of the, the Radio Times sort of uh, flopped open on top. Um, mm. And this little magazine inside, and seeing it, it was it was called Doctor Who: Return of a Time Lord, and there were these floating heads of all these different men. Mm-hmm. And I remember my dad sort of he must have spied me looking at this and said, "Oh, Doctor Who," and I said, "Oh, which one's Doctor Who?" And he said, "All of them." And I can remember that so well. That must that have really blown, blown your mind. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yes. I mean, that 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 really did. You know, because Doctor Who had always had a. I suppose I'd I'd worn a bit of a perception filter when it came to Who. Yeah. Because during the nineties, I mean, we're talking ninety six there. Um, during the sort of early to mid nineties, ever so occasionally, they used to repeat. Um, you know, like one off stories. Yeah. Um, and during the thirtieth anniversary year, I seem to remember they well I don't remember watching them but I I know that they had um, one story from every doctor that they repeated Mm -hmm. and I remember catching the colorized version of the demons um, and seeing sort of watching the TV and thinking why is Wurzel Gummidge being tied up by Morris dancers (laughs) (laughs) yeah and um, and I remember going to uh, the Natural History Museum with my school, mm. and they had uh, a, a television monitor there, which had sort of clips of dinosaurs in in uh, popular media, and yeah. um, and they had a black and white. Oh no, was it black and white? For some, in my head, it, it was black and white. But I remember seeing the clip of uh, John Pertwee saying, "Good grief, it's the Stegosaurus." <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, so it oh and I, I I do remember watching um, Dimensions in Time sort of hanging off my mum's bed as well. I must have been really small. I must have been about four. Yeah, for that. But um, yeah, well, we, unfortunately, we can all remember watching Dimensions in Time. So. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately, there isn't a perception filter which can uh, you know change how we all see that one. No, but, um, unfortunately not. Oh dear. But um, so Doctor Who had always been there, really. But it was really special to be getting into something that my parents had watched growing up, which made me feel a lot closer to them as well. And the same goes for the Jerry Anderson series. You yeah. know, my, my nan and granddad would sit down and watch, you know, Stingray and Fireball XL5 and, you know, Captain Scarlet, Thunderbirds, all, all of them with my dad and my uncle. Mm. And, then I, and then they're sitting there watching it with me. So there's a real sort of unity going on there. Um, yeah, so I think, I, I, think, I think Doctor Who did make me feel closer to... To my, my parents, especially, actually, through that. It's, it's funny you say that, because I've, I've a, a, a similar memory as well when I was a, a child. It used to be on... Um, when my father was working during the week, you, you could never get him out of bed to get up to go to work. Uh, but weekends, he was up at the... <laughs> I have that feeling as well. Yeah, I know. <laughs> tell me about it. Um, we, we, we all share that as we get older. Um <laughs> No, but a weekend he was up at the crack of dawn, and yeah. when you're younger, sort of about seven or eight, must have been at the time. Um, mm. I'd sort of get up with him, and we sort of go downstairs, and we sort of chat and everything. And invariably, it would lead to Doctor Who, and he'd tell me all about William Hartnell and, and, and Patrick Troughton, mm. which is when he was sort of um, younger, and he sort of remembers watching it. And 
I used to sit there fascinated because I, at that yeah. point, I've never seen any of it. It'd never been repeated in the seventies, you know. No. So all, all we had was what was on of a Saturday night, which was you know predominantly Tom Baker, really. Um, mm. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, but I, I know what you mean. Um, it, it, it's it's weird how television can sort of bring you closer, or certain p- things you, you, you share with with mm. your parents, and and certainly I, I have, I've like you, I've shared Doctor Who with with mine as well. Mm. You know, and um, yeah, I'm sort of I'm, I'm, I'm now I'm doing it with my kids. You know, so yeah. you know, it, it's um as you, as you said earlier, earlier it goes from generation to generation. Absolutely, I, I remember my dad telling me when I first started really getting into Doctor Who proper. Um, mm. <clears throat> my dad telling me that he remembered watching the very first episode around wow. his grandparents' house. Yeah, and he and then he started telling me about he, remember, he remembered seeing. Um, it, it was a kind of guess the story. Um, he, he remembered seeing the Doctor regenerating uh, for the first time. He remembered seeing uh, the Daleks uh, blowing up and the Dalek Emperor on Scaro. And um, he remembered seeing the Cybermen walking on the moon and all of this. And it just all sounded incredible. Mm. Um, but um, yeah, and it, it, it's just, yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why I really fell in love with it, actually. To yeah. be honest, because because I, I I just I had these talking points with my dad. Mm. I mean, yes, there were points when it did get a bit too much. He said, "Oh, not not Doctor Who again." You know, <laughs> it was on for the four hundredth time that month. But um, <laughs> but it was also I'd, I'd have to say, I mean, that I think there was an element of of this book, especially the second half of the book, which was. A bit of therapy for me because mm. unfortunately during the writing of the book my dad became ill and then subsequently passed away um and also my grandmother did as well um within a very short period of each other um and i sort of left the book to one side for a bit because i you know i i was essentially even though i was writing about myself i'm actually i was writing about them as well i, I share these these experiences with them yeah you know walking to bookshops and you know, and, and you know, bugging them for for videos or you know, daypole toys or whatever <laughs> that was going, whatever was going, and whatever I could find. Um, and I, I did have to put this down for a, a couple of months because it, it it did just feel a bit too raw. But then, mm. when I came back to it, um, I felt as though there there was more of a flow and there was more of a drive of getting it done. Because I, you know, in in a sense, you know, and I know that this might sound a little bit soppy, but in a sense, it sort of made them feel a little bit alive again, actually. Yeah, yeah, I can, yeah, I can understand that. I can understand mm. that. Yeah. So, I mean, um, now the book's going out on the sixteenth of October. Yes, that's correct. Yes, yes. and yes, um, it's very close. <laughs> it is only a couple it's weeks away now. now. Weeks away, or when this goes out, about a week away. Um, now, we've also got a, a full written by um, Andrew Smith. Oh, yeah. Yep, and the a cover art by um, Paul Mars as well. Yes. So yeah. um, h- how did you get um, those two involved? Oh, just bribery. No, it was... <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Um, I, I interviewed Andrew last year at one of the Dwas conventions. It was the Capitol um, in Crawley last summer. Yeah. And just got on really well with him he was a really nice man and um kept in touch uh, through email and um i wanted somebody to i wanted somebody from the doctor who world to provide a forward and i i just summoned up the courage to ask him mm. and i thought he would be quite a good person to do that or if, if he agreed to it um 
was very nervous writing the email actually <laughs> because I, I thought you know he, 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 that this, yeah at the end of the day this is Andrew Smith Doctor Who writer and I thought you know, oh my you know I I just I, I was so nervous um, but he was so lovely about it he said oh, he, he got back to me that that afternoon and I sent the book over and he's been very encouraging since and um, and Paul well that that was just a complete accident really I was um, going through uh, my sort of mini feed on Facebook and I saw some of the artwork that Paul's been um, producing recently and was very impressed mm. um, and I just I just messaged him I've never spoken to Paul before uh, well before this and um, I asked him does he do front covers and yeah. um, and he said, yeah, I, I, I can do this. What kind of thing are you after? And I, I'd always had this image of um, sort of my old wardrobe that I used to use as, as the TARDIS and that, you know, and, and a burgundy uh, dressing gown that I used to have, that I used yeah. to wear so I could feel a bit like sort of season 18 Tom Baker <laughs> or sort of doubling for season, doubling for season 12 Tom Baker, you know, yeah. <laughs> at the very start. And, um, and uh, and I said to him, oh, and I, I used to have these toys, I used to have these books and VHSs, or could we include them in it somehow? Yeah. And he's he's put some lovely little Easter eggs. You'll have to, well, listeners, if if you if you buy the book, you'll have to try and list them all because there's some really nice little sort of in joke um, Easter eggs on the front cover. Yes, there's, I'm not going to spoil it, but there, there's a nice little um, nod to Dapple. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say what it is, but. <laughs> no, no. It'll be very obvious when you see it. Exactly. <laughs> but it's, uh, but no, I mean, it, it, it's, you know, I've felt really, really humbled by just how supportive people have been. Um, I mean, there's, there's others. I mean, Una McCormack um, has been tremendous. I've um, luckily to be put in contact with Una through a, a mutual friend and um you know, in those moments when you just think, oh, God, I don't think I could do this. This is too much. You know, and she's been a great point of contact and very encouraging. So I've got so many people to thank who are, you know, um, I just, yeah, I don't know how to thank them. <laughs> <laughs> I'll give them, give them a beer or give them a hug or both. Or both, know. exactly, yes. That sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hayden, thank you so much for joining me. Um this evening and, and, and chatting about your book and um, as I said this um, your book uh, Child Out of Time Doc, Grown Up with Doctor in the Wilderness Years is out on the 16th of October although for all good bookstores and from Amazon in paperback and ebook priced mm-hmm. five ninety nine. oh yes there we are and you'll find uh, links to the show notes to Hayden's website as well for, for further information so there we lovely. go lovely okay so Hayden thank you very much Thank you very much for having me, Phil. It's a pleasure. And thank you once again, Hayden. And don't forget, everybody, um, the links to um, Hayden's website is in the show notes. So you can read a bit more about his book. And obviously, when the link appears on um, Amazon, We'll be posting that um, in, on our Facebook group so you can go and purchase your copy there, should you wish. Okay then, right, it's now time to go back into our review mode for Series 1. And this week we're we'll talking about Aliens of London. Big Ben 
destroyed as a UFO crash lands in central London. What is it then that they're invading? Finding a way to invade, putting the world on red alert. By God, I'll put this country under martial law if I have to. And I've got the honour of kicking this off, haven't I? Yes, you have. Yes, I have indeed, have indeed. Um, right, where do I begin? It's been a while since... It's been a, I'm just trying to sort of compose myself. It's been a while since I watched it. <laughs> oh, 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 I know. <laughs> now, and do you know what? It's not as bad as I remembered it, if I'm perfectly honest. Or brutally honest, I should say. I don't think it's that bad. Yes, and, but there is there is still a lot wrong with it, and it's mostly to do with the Slovene. Um, yes and no for me actually. This the the problem I had with it at the time and yeah. continue to have with it is the fact that actually I don't quite I, I'm really not that interested in the so, sort of soap opera side of Doctor Who, the whole uh, Rose coming back to her mother and. The time thing and what, what's the relationship with Mickey now and all that stuff. Well, I, well, no, I, I, yeah, I, quite, I, I never, like that I've bit, never, to be honest. I, I, no, I, I must admit, I wasn't so keen at the time. Um, but but now thinking about, I, I just like the reaction. She hasn't been away for twelve hours. She's been away for twelve months, and you know that whole thing. What what does happen to the people you leave behind? Um, they always thought she was dead, um, and the repercussions on Mickey. Like he'd been a, he'd been Calling for questioning five times, they thought he murdered her, and he'd been ostracised by everybody. Yeah, and the fact was, yeah, when she, I must admit, when she said to him, "Have you, have you is, is there been anyone else?" He was going, "What? They everyone thinks I murdered you." So. Yeah, he said, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it also, it also goes. But, but no, no, but but not even that. All right, I could have, I could almost have accepted, I could have accepted that. It was the fact of when he was sitting in watching the news, and there's all the family stuff going on, and the discussions, and the. And I know it's supposed to show that, basically, after a while, the human race just gets bored with stuff and goes back to its trivial nature. Yeah. But yeah, no, it did didn't do anything for me there. Yeah, I, really, I think at all. Yeah, I think that bit when he's watching it on the telly. Um... And as you say, she's got all her neighbours in and, and everything. Yeah. And I, I don't think, you know, really that would happen, to be honest. Um, no. I really, you know. But anyway, as you say, this is like so proper land we're in now. So that, you know, that sort yeah. of thing sort of happens, doesn't it? Um, but, yeah, I I don't know. I don't know whether, you know, if, if that had just happened and then she was talking about, oh, so-and-so asked me out and, yeah. and all that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't really think that. Yeah, that that didn't work, but I think the initial reaction was good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. All right. I, I, I did like. I, I did that really you like could that. Do the 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 thing about the twelve twelve hours or twelve months is quite, yeah. Yeah, let's get something there. But no, after that, it's just yeah, it's just I didn't. I don't really buy. I don't really like the. I'm not keen on. How many different ways can I say? This? I'm not keen <laughs> on the fact that of of the doctor sort of this coming back and it's just being you know you go away with the doctor for adventures you don't I don't want the coming back home to 
to Earth. I'm sorry. Well, it was. Um... And that, that, I mean, that's just my personal opinion. That goes throughout all the um, the series. So it's just the yeah, Doctor yeah, Who it's... I was brought up on. So no, it's true. I, I mean, I'm just, well, I'm just being old and old and muchly. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah, exactly. I was, I was about to say we're looking at it through the eyes of you know old yes. Doctor Who fans, aren't we? And yes. this this is made for a modern audience, and I think. I can understand what you're talking about because this first series, they were still finding their way and this was part of the first yes. production block as well. Um, yeah. Because this is now directed by the, the now infamous Keith Boak. Um, yes. And yeah, I, yeah, and I know Chris Reckleston wasn't entirely happy with the way that, you know, that the, this first block was being, um, being directed and I think he was still feeling his way into the role as well. Because there's been there's been lots of uh, sort of criticism about him. He, he was out of his depth with the with the the lighter moments, yeah. Um, which I I don't know. Maybe I think it's a bit of an unfair criticism. To be honest, because he, he has said you know he would now looking back he would do it differently. But I think he said that as as a whole, not just that in those initial first episodes he filmed. I think he just felt he could have done it differently. I mean, entirely for the first yeah, series, had, you know. He had, he had no um, yardstick to to measure what sort of how well, the feel of what the new Doctor Who was going to be like, did he? No, he didn't. So, so no. to that extent, yeah, you can understand that it's basically you're making it up as you go along, sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I wasn't entirely. Um, yeah, I think it's a bit unfair. Really, I don't entirely agree with some of those criticisms, but um, yeah, but as I say. Um, I think the, you know, once you get over the, the whole, as you say, the soap opera bit and, and the story really sort of kicks in, um, I like the, I think the, the alien spaceship crash still holds up pretty well. Yeah. To, to be honest, I still like that. Um, I like the bit when it sort of comes over close, over the top of the, over the top of the flats and it's going through, you know, crashing, you know, diving down through London till it hits Big Ben. I think it still looks good. To be honest with you. I think I think that, that holds up pretty well. You know, I know sort of CG um effects have sort of come on leaps and bounds now, haven't they? But you know, in, in the sort of like the in the intervening years. But I th- I still think it's good. Yeah. I was I was still quite surprised to see how good it was, to be honest with you. So I mean no mistake actually, the underlying story to this I actually quite like. I do as well. Um, I think it's, I think it's a good idea. I quite like the idea of the. I even I quite like the idea of the you know, basically, the the the, the red herring of the pig that they've sent up to. Yeah. Set it all. To get everyone there. I feel sorry whatever. for the pig. I really do feel yes. sorry for it. You know. Um, mm. I think the. I. I well, You're I, still I, eating just, bacon, though, aren't you? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Big greasy pork chop coming up. Um, yeah, I the, the bit where the, the pig gets shot by the soldier. I thought, yeah, um, there was more to it than that. I thought Eccleston gave more of a speech at that. But you could, I thought he the, the few words he did say um, in that in that scene. I thought he sold it rather well. Yeah, actually, um, and even better when he was in the um, in the lab talking to Doctor Sato. Afterwards, we now know is is um, for, 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 you know, went on to starring Torchwood. Um, was it now now Komori? So um, 
Yeah, so I I I, I thought he sold that scene rather well. As one who was, who was yeah. talking about, you know, the way it's sort of been hardwired and everything, and so it must have been absolutely bloody petrified, and you know, it was. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I just loved it. I, I, I really think that was really good. I thought that was really good. I'm sort of, I, I wish I sort of written down more of what he said now, to be honest. So, um, but no, yeah, but actually, I think it worked because there wasn't a big long speech. It literally was just the the look of horror that they shot. Yeah. Shot it, and you know, because this thing was absolutely obviously sort of. It yeah. was just it was just petrified what what was happening to yeah. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um Yeah, so no, I know I I thought that, that still worked really well. Um but then you sort of and I I like the as you said, the the story itself about them sort of getting into into Downing Street and everything, I thought was, was well done. Actually, I like that, but it's 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 when they sort of start the farting, basically. Yeah. And I think it, it, it's almost as if they was they wasn't quite sure where they should be going with aliens in a kids show. Yeah. That 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 sort of got me there was rather than actually play it straight for the story. Mm. They felt they had to have something that was appealing to a much younger audience than perhaps Doctor Who's ever appealed to. Well, yeah, because I mean, this goes back to the again, and, Keith Boke and, again, and the burping bin from the first episode, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. It's it, it, as you say, it, it's appealing. We're not quite sure who to appeal to at that no. time. No, it's it's very un, it is very uneven. The the whole tone is very very uneven. Um, so you and I suspect, the... and I suspect, if done, done again, they'd probably do the the alien change. A bit different as well now, as opposed to just zips and whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, even that was that they couldn't quite figure out which way they wanted to go with that because on no. with the um, the policeman in Jackie's flat, the zip is visible. He takes his helmet yeah. and there's a big bloody zip in his head. Um, yeah. But on the others, they they sort of skipped it didn't they they just sort of like just have them sort of drawing a lot an invisible line across their forehead and yeah. the effect started so yeah, I, I suspect now you'd sort of almost i suspect they do either do a transformation yeah they'd be pretty much whether there was a feeling if they didn't do that they'd be like they'd be considered to be similar to zygons or something i mm. don't know so it was made clear that they was just wearing a suit, so to speak. But, yeah, I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, I like the I like the idea. They sort of, the, 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 you know, they've compressed themselves to fit inside these bags of skin, basically. Yeah. Um, but as you say, it's when it, it's the it's the farting aspect of it, which doesn't do it any ju- and it is played to comedic effect as well. And um, yeah, I don't know for, for something as a story like that, where, where people are being basically murdered and skinned yes um i suppose you sort of that, that these aliens are, are completely immoral so you you can imagine them sort of laughing and joking about it but the but it, it it the farting thing it just doesn't go with the tone no you know no, and it it's, just yeah it yeah. breaks 
everything from it. It's just yeah, it just makes them less scary. It just makes it less scary than it could be, and it could be quite a scary story. Oh, it could be. It could be. You know, it's almost like a uh, like an invasion of the body snatchers. Yeah, you, you could have had like a um, a story more about paranoia more than anything else. But it's just unfortunate that the the aliens weren't too. I don't know. Weren't too bothered about the fact of, of maintaining their secrecy. Their, their secrecy or disguise, were they? No. Yeah. It, I mean, just... you, could, you, could, you could have gone through this this first episode of a two part episode, not sure who was alien and who wasn't. Yeah. And that would have been interesting, as well. But until you got to the perhaps the cliffhanger reveal at the end, you know. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, but it, it they just sort, sort of it, went for the for the. The fart gags, really, didn't they? Yeah, precisely. Um, and also, I mean, also the other thing that, yeah, I mean, as soon as they sort of got on their own in the in the um, in the in the office in Ten Downing Street, the game was up then as well. Yeah. I, I think I think that was a mistake. If you hadn't have seen that scene of them laughing and joking, um, and, yeah. and farting basically, and and as you say, kept that a mystery right until the end. And also the same when when they killed. Um, General Asquith as well. Yeah. If they just kept that a secret, and you, then you just see him walking out of, out of the office, and then you, then you say you get to the the the, the meeting with unit, um, and then the big reveal happens then. But by this, it's too late, really, isn't it? You know they're aliens. Yeah. You're sort of half expecting the reveal. You yeah you want you want it all to happen at the same time to find out at the same time as the doctor really. Hmm. And I think that would have worked a lot better. I think so. I think so. But do you think this is a a thing, this is what you have to do now for modern audiences? Or for family audiences? Just to keep them watching? Because um, kids can get bored. If you're looking at it from... Because we, we, we've already sort of previously established the farting and everything, it's for kids. Yeah. You know, um... I mean, you, a lot of bad, I, I mean, I, I do love a good fart gag, I've got to be honest. Um, but... I, I'm... Yeah, I'm not so sure. I mean, it's difficult for me to say because, obviously, by the time I've got to watch this, even the first time round, I was not a kid anymore. No, um, me neither. So, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. So I don't, I don't know whether that, how much that did does appeal. That did appeal to children. Um, I've not got a children. <laughs> You're probably in the better position than me to. To give a review of that at some well, point. I'd well, do you, well, do you know what they they my two kids haven't seen Aliens of London, but they have seen um, a few episodes of Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah, and the Slovene pop up in a, in a couple of times, and they didn't like them. Not from the point of fact they thought they were rubbish; they were actually quite scared of them. Yeah, to be um, to be fair, um, I think it's the way they they sort of peel them, you know, peel the skin off, and they sort of they yeah. come out, and obviously it's been sort. of Toned down a bit for for the Sarah Jane Adventures audience, um, but if you, I, I mean, the design but was there still was was there still the the farting, the farting. But do, do you know what the farting is toned down for a kid, for which is predominantly a kids show? Yeah. It's made for kids. It's made for the CBBC or was made for CBBC. Yeah. So the the farting angle is 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 toned right down, but the kids didn't find it funny. No, you know so. Maybe they're too. Maybe they're too young. You know, what's you know what 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 is the age group you're aiming for here? You know. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, I just wonder whether, again, it's just a question of no guide to tell you where to pitch this. Mm. And some stuff works and some stuff doesn't. Yeah. And I suspect if yeah. they redid this now, they wouldn't have done that. I don't think so. I don't think so. I think they would have, I think they would have done it completely differently. I really yeah. do. I really do. I mean, the design um, of the Savine. I mean, you've got that weird sort of baby face, haven't you? Yeah. Um, but then it, it once it sort of goes neck down, it it sort of loses any any sort of threat it might have had. You know, because you can quite clearly see that the you know the, the top half, the you know the body part, and the 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 legs underneath are quite clearly like worn like trousers. Um, yeah, it's it's not the the most well executed of practical effects, but then it really jars when you see the CGI. Yeah, Savine, which comes it comes to the form more in the next episode, more more so than this one. You only get a brief sort of look at the CGI version um, when Asquith re- you know reveals himself at the end. Yeah. So, yeah, it's where you've got the sort of very, very sort of free flowing looking CGI Slovene. Then you get back to the practical effect, which is very very staid and can barely move. Um, yeah. Doesn't doesn't work at all, really, does it? No. Doesn't work at all. But yeah, I don't. I don't as much what I can say about this thing that people haven't already said. To be honest, we never really discussed them before, have we? No. No. Unfortunately, no. we've never we've never had to. No, we never had to. No, it's our first time of doing it. To be honest, so um, oh yeah. There you no, go, they're, they're, they're they're not my. Fa- I, mean, I don't know. You, you suppose you've got to come up with new, different looking aliens. So I'm yeah. I'm not going to be. T- particularly critical of that it was just yeah it's just there were other bits of their of, of them that i think actually the bits when they're in human form and that doesn't work as better as well as when they're actually out i think actually, no the only, the only thing about them being seeing them as slovene is the fact that at least it stops the the farting yes <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, should we should we move away from the Savine now? Yes. Should we talk about Penelope Wilton, shall we? Yes. Yes. Um, what do you make of the Harriet Jones character in in this story? Um, I don't mind her actually, and I think it does actually set her up quite well for later. Yeah. Without us realizing at the time of this that that's where it was going. Hmm. But the. And it sort of sets up, and it, and it did. It, it was one of the few running jokes. Actually, I didn't mind was the fact that you know she introduced herself to everybody. Yeah. Um, but then it, it sort of didn't really quite when she became prime minister, really, did it? So, um, although it did have the payoff, of course, right at the end when when she starts to say, "I'm Harriet Jones," and the Daleks say, "Yes, we know." We know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> for, for, it, it was almost like yeah this is this is this is a long running this is this is a joke you have to wait for for the punchline is coming right at the end yeah I know I know yeah it's, it's the playing the long game with that one so. yeah <laughs> no I mean I so, think Penelope Whitman's always good in whatever she's in to, to yeah. be honest she's she's always very very good so um, yeah I I no I I 
I've I've always I've always liked to um was it ever decreasing circles? That's the very first thing I ever saw her in. So I was always a fan of her in that. So um to see her crop up in Doctor Who and and not play because I've never really seen her anything else apart from that. I know she's played you know other serious roles. And I know this is a sort of a I was going to say a semi-serious role, isn't it? Um, I, I just really enjoy her performance. I really do. Because actually, she is the one serious person in it, really, all the way through. Yeah. Well, apart uh, from the... Um, I, I don't know what, what, what his position is, but the... Uh, was it um, Indra Ganesh, the, the guy who gets killed by Margaret Savine. Yeah. Um, probably private secretary or someone. Something like that, or probably under secretary or something. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Um, yeah. So I, 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 he played it seriously. Yes. As well, actually. Um, it's a shame he got killed off. To be honest with you. So. Well, then I suppose there, there was a case of yeah, let's actually it, it's kill off. It was killing off a major character from this episode, weren't it? Yeah. That to let you know that no one was safe. Yeah. And he certainly wasn't, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, uh, we we could say the same thing, General Asquith, as well. When they killed, and the Prime Minister yeah. got killed off, you know. So, um, but um, I, I actually quite like the fact that they never referred to him by name. Well, didn't they originally want a Tony Blair lookalike? That that was supposedly the the rumor, wasn't it? And then when they when he turned up, he didn't look like anything like him. So <laughs> but yeah, but not trying to base it in any particular to any particular prime minister I thought was quite good and the fact that you don't need you know he he he's actually is dead at the start of the episode but you just don't realize is yeah I think well, I mean that they get around it by um by road what was it the doctor I was you know who's who's the prime minister now how would I know I've been away for 12 months Not months yeah yeah so that 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 was a, a neat little workaround to be honest with you yes yeah. so. um but the one thing that, that does stand out for me, I, I, I was sort of, oh dear, this, this, it was as bad as I remembered, is the the guy playing the reporter, the the, the Tom Hitchingston, or Hitchingston character, I should say. Um, yeah. Because you get Andrew Marr turned up, who actually does read it like he was doing a news bulletin. Yeah. Which is fine. But this other guy's trying to act it out, and it, it there's nothing natural about it at all. No. And it and it really does stand out. It really, and of course we get the uh, the first appearance of Trinity Wells in in this as well, don't we? Yeah. Um, who becomes sort of a long-standing mainstay of the of the uh, of the RTD years. But but again, I I find her um, delivery not very newsreader like. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Um... It's if it's if they're trying to act, they're act, they're still acting it out. Hmm. Yeah. Actually, the the thing about the uh, Tom Hitchinson thing was yeah. the fact that he was all the reporters, other than the bit of Andrew Moore. Yeah, they could have actually used different people, and it probably wouldn't have. It wouldn't stood have stood out. out. So yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Like he could have been, he would have been the reporter at um, Westminster, mm. and then you'd have had somebody else at the hospital. Yeah, our, our man on the scene, as it were. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's it'd be unlikely that a news company would actually move someone about like that because while the ship was still in the river, they'd have he would have stayed there. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, 
It's just he almost feel it's just basically, yeah, we've we hired one person to do this role. So oh, by God, we're gonna make use of him. <laughs> yeah. And just one other thing I forgot about this is unit is still known as United Nations Intelligence Task Force. Yeah. In this. Um I think it's the next reference. They they're called Unified Intelligence Task Force, aren't they? Is that they've apparently the UN objected. Why after all these years, I don't know. But I don't understand it myself, to be honest. No. But, uh, yeah, they hadn't still quite sort of figured out the whole unit thing yet, had they? Because they just looked like a load of American soldiers pitching up. Yeah. But, didn't they? So, um, which I suppose goes back to the original unit because it was like a, you got a, like it was like a subdivision of the British Army was based in the UK. And I suppose you would have had different, what you know, the different United Nations ones around the the globe, I suppose. In their yeah. own uniforms, but... and, and yeah, yeah, there'd be no reason why they couldn't be actually of all different nationalities. Yeah. So, but yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't. I think it was almost more that oh, we can use unit. Yeah. You sort of feel that there was a a certain amount of ticking of boxes, ticking off stuff list that Russell T Davies had. Well, I suppose really, if you, yeah, I mean, if I mean, if you if you've had this happen, yeah, you would expect unit to turn up, really, wouldn't you? So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, it didn't. It didn't sort of lay up on the continuity with that. I would just say, oh, unit, they're good people, and that was it. Hmm. You know, there was there was no other. Oh, I remember Brigadier, you know, the the Brigadier and Benton and and all that. They didn't sort of. It was too early to start doing all that because they they've done away with Gallifrey and and the Time Lords and that, yeah, that I, kind I, of I thing. Think, you know. think to a certain extent, yeah. This this was the this was the point at which they didn't want to start mentioning the the past. No, it was just let everybody just start where they are. Yeah, with that. I mean, because actually, in actual fact, when you get to uh, the eleventh Doctor and his reactions to Unit is is far more that I remember. Whatever, and they sort of grounded him back into Unit there, didn't they? They did, yeah. Because even with um, Tennant, he was. That's what never. Oh, okay, we, we, we've already discussed the um, the you know the Tennant years on this podcast, yeah. but um, his reaction to Unit just didn't sit with the character of the Doctor. He was he was anything he was anti unit, wasn't he? Yeah. Especially in the, was it the Sontaran strategy and the, and the Poison Sky? Um, yeah, he he was totally anti unit all the way through it, and I never quite understood why, to be honest. No, because you'd never really had a, a doctor that was, was there? I mean, he, he, I mean, you'd you'd have the the odd disagreement between the third doctor and the brigadier. Hmm. Yeah. But. Uh, yeah, of because of the, the 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 soldier mentality. Yeah, but you always sort of had a feeling that the doctor respected unit as 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 trying to do the right thing. Um, Whereas where you it's sort of you got just got the the feeling that he only really respected the brigadier rather than yeah. than, than unit as as a as a whole. Yeah. But like I say, but actually, the person probably the next Doctor that actually did really so is probably the the eleventh Doctor, and their, his relationship with Unit was much more of a 
um, friend to them. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, by the time you get back to the twelfth Doctor, it's he's uh, he's almost anti-unit again, isn't he? To a certain yeah. degree. It's back to the soldiers again. Uh, yeah. 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 Oh well. Oh well. So we're, we're, going, we're going wildly off topic here. We should be talking about <laughs> Chris Reckleston, but there we go. There we go. Um, no, no, no. But I can understand that because yeah, you don't want to. I think them there was a set ideal on this, wasn't it? They wasn't going to keep referencing the past. Mm. Hence why you got rid of the Time Lords, why to a certain extent, yes, he wanted Unit in, but there wasn't the the whole um, you know, I was a member of Unit sort of thing. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, it, was, it was very much sort of, if you know who they are, then you know who they are. And, yeah. and, and that was it, really. It was, it was just a... Same thing with the Autons as well. Yeah. Um, if you knew, if you knew your Doctor Who history, then that was it. Otherwise, to, to people who never watched it before, all the dummies had come alive. Yeah. And that's it. You know, there was no sort of, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, again, when I was with Unit and they've invaded twice before, there was there was none of that really, was there? It yeah. was just sort of like, well, this is what it is. Let's get cracking. And that, that, that was the end of it. So, which I think was the right thing to do, to be honest. Oh, t- t- totally, because you are... You have got a completely new. You are trying to appeal to a completely new audience. Mm. Though, have mu- we said before that getting, re- getting rid of Gallifrey was a mistake, though, because it didn't give the Doctor anything to run away from? Yeah. Oh, I mean, yeah, totally. But I think. Yeah. I just got a funny thing we're contradicting ourselves here. But <laughs> no, no, no. I, I think it was a mistake, but I can understand why they did it. Why they did it, yeah. At yeah. that stage. And I suspect. To that, to them, and that it was a the right thing to do. Mm. Um, yeah, it just sort of it became more, I think, actually, with with Tennant than it did with Eccleston because you sort of he, he became this sort of supreme being, didn't he? Mm, that's right. Yeah, which but he didn't um... have the the fear of the the Time Lords there. Which I suppose was you. It was used for you know. To, for it was his undoing that basically, wasn't yes. it? But um, yeah. But yeah, we we never got that far with with Eccleston. Um, no, I was going to say unfortunately, but um, whether they were the you know would they have gone down that road with his particular incarnation of the Doctor? We we we'll, we'll never know now, will we'll we? Never know. No. We'll never know. Um, yeah, but I think on the whole, though, I mean, I know we sort of. Sort of Picked away a little bit here this evening, but um, I don't know. As I said, I, I, I still quite enjoyed. It. I enjoyed it more than I thought I was going to. Put it that way. Um, I, I was kind of dreading watching it, and and I must admit, I did enjoy it more more than I thought. I wouldn't say I necessarily enjoyed it. I yeah, it it was okay. Um, it's it's not one that I'm necessarily gonna. No, it's, no, no. If if I was to put on the the series one DVD box set, I wouldn't pick this to watch. No, put it, put it that way. Probably be somewhere down the bottom of the list. Yeah, exactly, yes. exactly. Um, but as I said, it, it it's certainly not the worst Doctor Who has had to offer. No, it certainly isn't. No, um, no, because I think yeah. it's got a good underlying story. Yes, it I has. I, yeah. I just think a, think a few things were not realised as. As well as they could have been. Mm. The execution just, let it down, didn't it? 
And just, yeah, just the tone of it was just not there. Didn't quite know where it was going. Yeah. But as I say, this is this was, you know, very early in its comeback. That's who's comeback. So yeah, exactly. We had no template to run from. No, indeed. Still finding its feet, as it were. Yeah. So, so shall we? Shall we leave that there? Yes. On a half positive note, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Okay then, so what's coming up next on the Who's He podcast? Well, um, when Paul and I return, we're going to be back to uh, doing a big finish story, aren't we? Yes. Um, and our, and, 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 and as, as usual with us, we haven't yet decided which which story we're actually going to cover yet, so we'll, we'll no. announce that um, as when we figure that one out, I think, actually. Mm. Um but um, kind of in between, and we certainly definitely got another um, other interview special coming up. Um, another interview um, done at the Hooverville Nine convention back in September, and this one is with the legendary Wendy Pabry. So um, that will be coming out um, hopefully next week. So we got that, and, um, and there might be something else in between um, then and when uh, Paul and I return as well. So um, we shall see. We shall see. So, um, so I think that about wraps it up, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it does. Okay, everybody. So until next time, it is goodbye from me, Phil, and goodbye from me, Paul. Goodbye. to the Who's He podcast. Please visit our website at who's-he-podcast.co.uk. You can also follow us on Twitter at who's underscore he underscore podcast. And please also join the Who's He podcast Facebook group. The Who's He podcast is a member of the Doctor Who Podcast Alliance. Who's he?